Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. Right, we'll make a start. So I'm just going to pray before we start. Jesus, I thank you that you are present in this room. I thank you that you're not present in this room because this room is particularly significant. Be present in this room because you are with us and we are in this room. And therefore, I thank you that we're not trying to hear from you from a distant, far-off place. We're not trying to tune into you when you're hard to hear, but you're present and you speak. And I just pray this morning that each of us would hear you in what i have to say that we would hear your heart in what i communicate and that all the steveisms would just be moved out of the way and that the heart of you jesus would be communicated to us just pray that there's a a peace and a rest in each of our hearts that we would be sensitive to your speaking as well in jesus name amen so i want to kick us off on a new mini-series, well mini-series, four weeks is probably not mini, but four week series where we're going to explore um, this idea of what's called a rule of life. Um, now this um, is going to be something that I introduced, the why and the what today. Um, and then next week, so I was going to look at some stuff to do with time and this topic, and then we're going to look at something to do with routine in this topic, and then we're going to look at some practices that are connected to this topic. So four-week kind of series to introduce it, and then throughout the year, we're going to be revisiting this topic, but revisiting it around a particular aspect of it in more depth. And that will be not just this year, that will be into years into the future, because this is something that as so I will dig into next week more, it's going to take time. This is not a lovely message and it's one bam, it's done, sorted. This is an investment thing. And therefore, um, I'm going to start with the why rather than the what, um, which might sound a little bit backward, but I think it's really important to see the context of why this is important before we look at what it actually is. Other than to say, this is not rules for life. And that's really important. Because rules for life is like, follow these set of rules and everything will be fine. That's not what we're, I'm talking about at all. This is rule of life, which is a completely different idea. And it's more to do with rhythm and time and routine and those kind of things. Okay, that's all I'm doing about the what at the moment. Okay, so I want to start with a bit of a story, um, which makes me look not good again, which always these stories tend to do, but I'll share it anyway. Um, so I... Um, we had a good Christmas, we had a busy Christmas, we had a good Christmas, and then I had my birthday, and I've also started a new job, and really excited about everything that's going on with Hope Springs, and I was, uh, I think I had some good meetings that day with Hope Springs stuff, with Hope Coventry stuff, with just other things, and I had a really productive day, and it was one of those days where I was driving home, and really in a, in a kind of good place. I felt, you know, those moods where you actually, this hasn't been a bad day, this has been a good day, and I feel it's a good day today, everything seems to have just gone the right way. I think it, it happened to me on my birthday as well that day, so I was like, this is nice, lots of love from people saying happy birthday felt like a, a good day felt good spiritually good emotionally all those kind of things listen i was actually listening to some preaching in the car that i was enjoying listening to um and it was just a, a positive kind of day um and then a, a guy pulled out in front of my car um didn't crash probably wasn't even his fault it's probably more my fault than his fault but we'll say he pulled out in front of me because that just looks that just looks better um 
my reaction to him pulling out in front of um, me was not reflective of my good day, should we just say. I won't say what I said, because um, Pete genuinely might walk out the room first day. It wasn't that bad. Um, but it wasn't reflective of my mood. And it's really interesting, because in preparation for this, and in thinking about a lot of this stuff, I have been very much caught up with this word, depth, and the importance of depth and it just struck me and it, I almost I didn't smile initially I was really annoyed with this guy that pulled out in front of me um, but then I kind of calmed down a little bit and I was driving back home I just I had a little kind of rue smile wry smile to myself thinking that that showed how little depth there was in my positive feeling for that day because it was affected by a good day. It was a good day. It wasn't like bitty day, where it's like, this is good, but this is bad. It was just a, just a good day. But it was immediately affected by one guy pulling out in front of me in the car. And my reaction to that revealed probably a lot more what's going on underneath that good day than actually what was going on in that good day. If that makes sense, and we all have that. I'm not condemning myself, I don't feel bad about that, but it just made me smile because I was like, this is literally a wonderful analogy to then be able to share in the context of this. I was like, maybe that's why the guy pulled out in front of me, who knows, but anyway, um, that's beside the point. But just this idea and this importance of this thing around depth, and I've found, and we're, there's a number of us in, in, in Hope Springs who are reading the Bible together, uh, for, in a year and then I've also got a, I'm reading the Gospels as well at the same time it's meant to make me sound really super spiritual it's not if I don't have a rhythm I just don't do it um, but uh, one of the things in the Gospels I've been reading is, is just getting caught with the amount of times when Jesus has these big significant moments of things that he communicates how often they're to do with depth so for example he talks about he does his, his famous Sermon on the Mount there's like in in our Bibles, it's pages of, of him giving teachings that are often countercultural, often different. But when you look at it all, all of what he's talking about is not just a rule that you follow and then everything goes well. Everything he talks about requires depth. He's talking about loving your enemy. That doesn't happen by just, go, okay, okay, I'll do that then. That's fine. Because when the, the enemy drives out in front of you and you're driving home, my reaction is not to love him. My reaction is to do all kinds of other things, okay? But the point is, it requires depth. And you kind of see the, the crescendo of that in his teaching of the Sermon on the Mount when he talks about if you f kind of follow these teachings, if you embed these teachings, if you go deep into these teachings, you are like the man who builds his house on a rock. That when the storms of life come, you'll withstand them. Doesn't mean you won't get wet, doesn't mean you won't be scary, but you'll withstand them. Or if you don't do it, you'll be like the person that builds his house on the sand. When the storms come, everything just collapses down. Or when the guy pulls out in front of you, you don't react in a positive way. The idea of depth, the difference between this, the kind of rock that takes more time to build than the guy who builds his house on the sand, which is much shorter. And the difference between those two is depth. And even looking at the, the so and so is the word, this other really significant teaching of Jesus, he talks about these different soil types. He talks about these different um, kind of ways in which we receive what is being spoken or what he is teaching. And the first three soil types all have a significant thing in common. They lack depth. Whether that's they, they are kind of choked by the, the weeds, whether they are just shallow, they receive it, it responds really positively, then the challenges of life come and it just disappears again. 
and he gets the last type of soil and it's the, the, that's got they put their root down into this thing and it's just so often that these teachings of Jesus, and they're just two, and there's another one I will pick up on in a moment, but those two, how they are just have this common theme of depth. That Jesus is not telling us, come to my seminar, listen to this 20-minute message, and your life will be better. Jesus is telling us, come to my seminar, if you did do in a seminar, come to my teaching on the hillside, listen to this, and then for the rest of your life, put this into practice because it will take that time to embed this and get this depth down into that. But if you do that in the kind of house on the, on the sun versus the rock, you'll be that house on the rock that, that withstands storms, or you'll, you'll be that good soil that, that brings fruit and fruit that remains. And then we'll look at one more in a minute. But this idea of depth, and I'm aware that's not sexy, that's not cool, it's much better if you leave this morning going, Steve said this amazing message and it just transformed my life, I'm never going to be the same again, because then everyone else goes, oh we need to hear that same message. This isn't that, this is actually, in some sense, this is, like, this is challenging, this is tough, but actually this is following Jesus, and this is, is doing that. And I think, I was... I was trying to stick to my notes in the new year, trying to be good and actually stick to my notes. I've already gone off them. I'm going to come back to my notes. Um, I was caught very recently in those two stories and then in something that Chris, a lady called Christine Kane said. And I don't really listen to Christine Kane much other than the fact that she speaks in a worship set that Bethel put on that I really, really love this worship set. It's just beautiful worshiping of Jesus and just honouring Jesus. And in the middle of it, she shares. And there's a phrase she shares in it that I just haven't been able to shake. And it's this phrase where she talk, talks about Jesus being Lord. She says that and she, says, and she pauses, she stops, she goes, it's going to be hard to say that one day. Where we're going to be, it's going to, going to be difficult in certain cultures, in certain societies to stand up and go, Jesus is Lord. Because our pluralistic or kind of popularistic society goes, well, we can't just have that. We can have that, but it's got to be part of this set of stuff. It's got to be part of all these other religions, all these part other worldviews. Everything has to have a, a, a place. And you can say your thing, but it's got to have a place alongside all these other things. And I get the inclusion aspect of that, but Jesus' Lord is not an inclusive thing. It is or it isn't. And therefore, following Jesus, it is or it isn't. And it just struck me that when she said it, not as a scary thing, not as a kind of like doom and gloom thing, but our society is moving in a direction where that statement is difficult. It could be difficult to make in some ways. That, that I believe Jesus is Lord. Well, you can't believe that because it's not inclusive enough. It doesn't include all the other religions in that or whatever it may be. And just then, also then reflecting back on those stories, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, so the teachings, the Sermon on the Mount, and the so is the word, Jesus talks about depth, but the other thing he talks about is actually the environment you're going to be in is going to be challenging. But he says, if you follow my teachings, when the storms come, yeah. you'll be able to withstand them. That's a challenging environment. It doesn't say, follow my teachings and you'll just enjoy life on the beach. Follow my teachings, and when, and when the storm comes, you'll be able to withstand them. The, the so-and-so is the word. He says, when the word comes, he immediately says, persecution comes for the word's sake. But again, it's challenge. It's difficulty. And he's not saying run away from that. He's saying that in this context of the storm, the challenge, the difficulty, we need depth. In the context of where perhaps it's not popular to say Jesus is Lord, we need depth. Because when it's not popular to say that, the pushback comes. And if we are just, like I was in that car, reactive and have no depth of a good day, then we're going to react to those things rather than just stand 
and be present in that context. Does that make sense? Yeah. I want, and I just think the, the, there's this really interesting thing that it's not about waiting for the environment to be favourable to growth. Depth doesn't require the environment to be favourable to growth. The, the real growth is reflected with the fact that even in the most challenging and difficult environments, we can grow because we put our roots deep down and that allows us to grow. I believe wholeheartedly, 100% in a restored world. Totally believe in that. But I do not believe that that restored world is going to come through favourable legislation for Christians. I don't believe that all the laws of the land are going to come and are going to be favourable to us so that we can be better Christians. It's possible, it's possible that some laws will change that will become unfavourable for Christians. And therefore, that can't be then the thing that, like that guy pulling out on me, that ruins my good day. Just because the law of the land doesn't favour my particular faith or my particular belief system. Nor do I believe it's going to be because um, <clears throat> necessarily Christianity looks cool. And Christianity looks cool and therefore our faith grows and our, our, we kind of grow into the, these mature Christians. Or because church attendance increases. Those things aren't going to be the hallmarks necessarily that, that, that determine a restored world. It's possible that church numbers might decrease, which they have done in the UK. But that isn't an indication of, of the depth that's happening in some people's lives. People are growing, even if it's not marked in those particular things. My point in saying all of this is the environment cannot be the thing that determines our growth and our, the depth of our, our roots going down. It can't be that, because if it is, we will just be moved by the kind of circumstance we find ourselves in. Does that make sense? Okay. It's not meant to be doom and gloom. I just want to build us to a point. So, and therefore, in all of that, we therefore have to have a faith and be followers of Jesus where we, have, we are resilient and we are robust. In the same way that you have a resilient and robust faith of Jesus himself that enabled him to endure the cross for the joy set before him. That he endured the horrificness of what he went through because he saw something. And his depth, not because he was just God, but the depth as a human that he put down in his life enabled him to endure that. Because if that depth hadn't been put down, he'd have run away as soon as the first challenge came. I know it's Jesus, I know he's God, and I get that, but he still lived as a human. And therefore, he'd have run away because it would have been too much to bear. In the same way that you see other followers of Jesus, like John, who remained at the cross when all of the disciples fled, had a resilient and a robust faith, because his faith enabled him to stay when everyone else fled. And there is an interesting connection between these two, that in the sense that both of them have references throughout the Gospel accounts of taking time or abiding away from the day-to-day -day busyness and distractions of the world. Jesus constantly is talked about he went away by himself to be with the Father. John talks about the fact that he was 
intimate with Jesus in terms of he leant on his chest, he, he tortured his, there's something about their behaviours that enabled them to develop robust and resilient faith. And therefore that is the kind of key, when you look at all the teachings of Jesus, that, that is the key that we develop that depth that leads to robust and resilient faith. Now robust and resilient faith is not militant faith. It's not that actually my faith is so resilient and so robust, I'm going to tell everyone else that doesn't have the same faith as me, you're, you're going to hell. You're condemned. That's not robust and resilient faith because that's not what Jesus did and it's not what John did. Nor is robust and resilient faith a faith that kind of just retreats right back to the small little group that go, we're just going to hang on tight until everything gets better. That's not robust and resilient faith either. Like Elijah talked about, the, the kind of idea, I'm on my own, it's just me, not no one else is here. That's not robust and resilient faith. Robust and resilient faith is faith that loves in, in the face of persecution, in the face of opposition, in the face of challenge. Robust and resilient faith is faith that when the storm comes, it stands strong. Robust and resilient faith is when persecution comes for the word's sake, it just grows somehow. Robust and resilient faith is the faith you see in churches like, like in China with the underground church where it just grows in the face of persecution. Or, like we often refer to, the difference between Nero and the, ch the early church under Nero and Constantine. Under Nero, they were horrendously persecuted, yet they thrived because there was a robust and resilient faith, because they had to go deep. They had to develop depth, because if they didn't develop depth, they would just not be in that anymore. Versus Constantine, when everything was becoming favourable for Christians, the church itself started to decline. Because the favourable environment didn't lead to growth it led to superficiality and therefore the, the kind of point I'm saying in this is that that robust and resilient faith leads us to a place where we kind of have growth in a challenging environment have growth in any environment that the environment doesn't dictate our the growth now that something else dictates the growth and that is all to do with that depth that leads to that robust and resilient faith and it couldn't be me, and it couldn't be the new year, and I couldn't be talking about growth without this quote, okay? Um, I absolutely love Marvel, but I particularly love this quote. And this, for me, is almost, in a way, kind of sums it up, that this is what robust and resilient faith looks like. Compromise where you can. Because it talks about in the Bible, be at peace with everyone as much as you possibly can be. Be at peace with people. It's not about going, you're evil, you're horrible, I'm going to hate you. It's about be at peace with people as much as you can. So compromise where you can. Where you can't, don't. Even if everyone is telling you that something wrong is something right, even if the whole world is telling you to move, it is your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say, no, you move. And that is robust and resilient faith. It's not angry. It's not hate-filled. Hate it's, I will live at peace with you for as long as I can possibly live at peace. But if you push me on things like Jesus is Lord, if you, if you, I can't compromise on that. And therefore in that situation, I'm not going to. I'm not going to fight you. I'm just going to plant myself like a tree and go, I'm not moving on that. That doesn't move. Therefore, you're going to have to move because I'm not going to. And that is only possible when we have a depth that goes down. That doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't happen because we just want it to happen. That happens because there's depth. All of this then leads us to why this idea of a rule of life is so, so important. That's the why. Because the rule of life is something that enables us to develop that depth.
that that deep sense of rootedness that means we can be that tree we can be that house built on the sand on on the rock we can be that that kind of soil that kind of grows despite persecution we can be all of those things be that one that stays at the cross despite everything that's going on be the one that that endures so much difficulty because of the joy set before us that's what a rule of life enables to happen so i'm conscious of time slightly so we are going to still do this i'd just like you to turn to john 15 and i'm going to do something that i don't normally do and i'm literally going to read the majority of john 15 because john 15 is and this whole passage is what Jesus shared with his disciples in the last extensive discourse before he died. Now, without being morbid, if I was going to die in the next few days, I would make sure what I said to you was what I really, really, really wanted you to get. Because if I know that I'm going to die, then I'm going to make sure what's going to be said is going to count. This is Jesus' last bit of information, or last bit of teaching for the disciples before he goes to the cross. He obviously talks to them after that, and that matters too, but pre-cross, this is it. And therefore, this is so significant. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to read John 15. So, um, if you look at John 15, verse 1, I'm just going to read it, and I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to pick up three points from this, and then we'll kind of land as a close. Um, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit to itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you that, you may, that your joy, sorry, my joy may, may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, and that, that you should go and bear fruit, and that the fruit should remain. That whatever you ask my fa the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Um, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because you do not know because they, they do not know him who sent me. 
If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which I, no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated me, as so I hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be filled, which is written in the law, they hated me without a cause. Verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And he will also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I'm going to stop there. We could keep going, but I'm going to stop there. just want to pick up two things. I would recommend reading this again and again and again, but there's three parts in this that are so significant. First one, Jesus talks about the word abide countless times in there. And the phrase I want to pull out from that multiple times, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. There's this connection between abiding and fruit bearing. Jesus talks about fruit bearing again in this thing a lot. And he doesn't just talk about fruit, but he says you'll bear much fruit and fruit that will remain. But what is that in the context of what we're talking about? Fruit that doesn't just come and go, but fruit that remains in any circumstance, in any situation. This fruit remains if you abide in me. The other thing, just to mention with this, we know we know this, and this is a little bit cheesy, but I couldn't find a better one. Um, Jesus is the vine. I, as a believer, am the branch. It shows you where the branch is. The Holy Spirit produces fruit. I do believe that the Holy Spirit produces fruit. I do think that that happens but it's also growing through us and, and it's fruit that we demonstrate and we'll talk about that late, later on and that's with the, the help of the spirit second part first part he talks about being vine and branches and abiding and fruit second part he says abide again but this time he says as the father loved me i also loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love that word again abide Abide in me, abide in my love, abide, abide, abide. He then says, and here's the, the common theme, he then says, and sets the context, the challenge. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Lovely Sunday morning message that, isn't it? Okay. But the point is, he's again giving us this context. Sermon on the Mount. When the, these are my teachings, follow these. When the storm comes, you'll be like a house built on the rock. So, so is the word. Catch what I'm saying to you. If you go down deep, when persecution comes, you'll still bear fruit. John 15. Abide in me, as the, vine, as the branch abides in the vine. Abide in my love. And when they hate you, you'll still bear much fruit. You'll still be in this context of growth. You're not going to hate them back. You're not going to attack them back. You're going to love back. He doesn't, he's not saying here come and kind of bunker down and get just this hold on tight because they're going to absolutely hate you and just hide away from that what he's saying is they're not going to like what you've got to say because it's different and it's countercultural and it's challenging they might hate you because of that because like they hated me but actually what did Jesus do Jesus just loved them back and when he loved them back it changed things it altered things but he's talking about the fact that doesn't happen unless you abide you're going to end up hating them if you don't abide. 
because but when you abide you're going to start loving them you're going to be start to be that tree that the, they talk about in Captain America that just plants itself and goes you can hate me as much as you want to hate me I'm not moving I'm going to keep loving you no matter what in the face of all of that kind of stuff I'm going to love you and love you and love you even if you hate me and this is the thing that we've got this constant message this constant thing of abiding and this idea of abiding is massively connected to this idea of rule of life and it's it's stunningly connected to the point that for me it's changed the way that i see some things and i want to just make one last link and then i'll land us on the rule of life but so the word abide is a verb it is not a noun it is something we do and that is really really important that we are with god always okay Yet Jesus still said, in the context of the help is going to come and be with you, he still told his disciples to abide. That's counter, that doesn't make sense. If you think about it in our normal context, what we mean by, by uh, remain, the Holy Spirit's going to come and be with you forever. But I want you to abide. So there's something active we do to, to abide, if that makes sense. This isn't about whether we are with God or not with God. We're always with God. God is always with us. But this is something different. This is an active thing we do. As it says, abiding in Christ is not a feeling or a belief, but something we do. It means to remain or stay and entails far more than the idea of continued belief in Jesus. This is not about whether we believe in Jesus or not believe in Jesus. This is about something we do, a practice we have that causes us to become more aware of his presence with us. That causes us to become more aware of our connection with him. That causes us to start to bear fruit in a way that doesn't happen unless we decide to abide. And therefore there is a distinction, there is an action. And that's where this comes in, this rule of life. Now that picture is pretty and it's nice, but it's very intentional. Because this idea of Jesus saying, abide in me as a branch abides in the vine. So there's this vine kind of growth, fruit kind of thing that he's talking about here. What is fascinating is that we can see on this picture here, the rule of life bit goes, across the vine that's there and you can see the fruit that's growing on it um, and you've got the, the, the kind of vine that goes up to the middle and then the branches that come off that so you've got Jesus and the branches which is those that come off that but those branches are supported by a trellis which most of us obviously probably none of us grow wine but uh, maybe some of us are gardeners I don't know but that trellis is obviously the bit that we use to guide things in where we want to grow, grow them without that trellis often things just grow all over the place but more often than not, they are restricted in the amount of life they produce, whatever that thing is there. The amazing thing is the word rule comes from the Greek word trellis. So when we're talking about a rule of life, we're talking about a trellis that helps guide our abiding or helps enable us to abide. We're not talking about rules of life, things we do that mean we access some secret level. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about practices that, like a trellis, supports the growth of the vine and the branches. We're talking about practices that, that support our growth as followers of Jesus. So when we talk about a rule of life, we're talking about practices that do that. So as it says, rule comes from the Greek word trellis. A trellis is a frame that enables a grapevine to grow upward or outward, depending on which way it goes. 
becoming more fruitful and productive. In the same way, a rule of life is a trellis that helps us abide in Christ and become more fruitfully or fruitful spiritually. That this is about practices that enable us to develop depth and bear fruit because it supports our abiding in Christ. And therefore, what we want to do, that's what the rule of life is. And we can see here from the picture, again a bit closer up, you can see the wooden kind of trellis that's there that supports the growth. I am not an expert in this, so this person could have been talking nonsense, but I'm going to trust that they weren't. Apparently, um, when there's not a trellis attached to a, to a vine, the, the fruit it produces significantly reduces, sometimes by 50%, because it's not supported with that thing. So it's not about natural versus not natural. This is about a practice that produces more fruit than when it supports that in the same kind of way that we as Christians as followers of Jesus because we we want to we'll, we'll produce fruit and I'm not trying to be doom and gloom I believe in a restored world but we are going to face challenges in the next 10 15 whatever years it may be we're going to face the storms we're going to face the the persecution the persecution comes for the worst so we're going to face the the antagonism of people that don't hold to the values that we hold to and therefore, in that context, it's going to become challenging to bear fruit. But if we put some practices in that enable us to abide, no matter what the context may be, we will bear fruit. And if we think about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, without going there, and we did this at Sunday school, but think about what the fruits of the Spirit is. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. And therefore, the first fruit we bear is love. And the first thing about love is it's patient and it's kind. So we start to be a people in the face of enormous challenge and difficulty that actually just start to demonstrate love, start to demonstrate patience, start to demonstrate kindness. But that doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't happen all by itself. That doesn't happen because we have one good day and then someone cuts you up and suddenly it all falls apart. That happens because we abide. And we abide because we allow these rhythms and these practices and these things to kind of be formed in our lives that we kind of then go, okay, this is enabling me to abide in Christ. And some of this stuff we will do anyway. This is not reinventing the wheel. I'm not introducing something that we've never done before. Some of this stuff will happen anyway. But some of this stuff we need to become more intentional about. I need to become, okay, what can I do as my rhythm, my rule of life that just gives me that space that means I just abide in Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, about that talked about that i've kind of see i've got off my notes so rules of life are like practices practices that enable us to be with jesus to be like to be like jesus and to do like jesus that it enables us to be with him to be like him and to do like him um it could be practices like um prayer things that we do these are not new concepts but just practices that we know but then, okay how do i make sure that's embedded as a rule of life as something that enables me to abide as that trellis that guides my my abiding my growth um, prayer solitude or silence sometimes those two are interchangeable reading the scriptures um, sabbath as a sabbath rest worship um, fasting could be there as well there's lots of different practices that we could use but these practices become a rule of life become a rhythm a routine that enables us to abide community would be one as well and so what i want to land with and finish with today is that is that 
hopefully we've seen not just from our current time but in the everything jesus talked about that when he talks about following him when he talks about following his teachings when he talks about doing these kind of things it often requires depth and it requires depth because he's aware that in the context of following him there's challenge and without the depth the challenge just overwhelms us and therefore this idea of abiding in him is supported by having a, a set of practice a set of rhythm a routine in our lives that enables us to abide in christ that we might bear fruit in that and that's what it means by that rule of life that kind of trellis that thing that enables that us to abide and that rhythm and that routine and that regularity and that time and stuff so what we're going to do over the next three weeks is like i said we're going to spend a week next sunday so i was going to talk about the the significance of time in this that this is not the word abide in itself is a time type word isn't it that i'm going to abide i'm going to remain i'm going to stay in something that is a time thing and therefore this can't be there's not a shortcut to this it's not like i'll find an app that kind of saves me a bit of time on this this is a time investment thing then we're going to look at kind of what it might look like connecting time into rhythm and routine because it's a rhythm and routine thing it's not like i did it for intensively for a month and had a month off and then another another month that's better than not at all but there's a rhythm and a routine kind of tied into this thing and then we're going to look at in a bit more detail than i've just done now but some of the practices that might be be around that so things like sabbath things like prayer things like worship we know them but just talk a little bit about what it might look like that's going to be this kind of part in january done and then later on in the year we'll pick up a, a particular practice so we might pick up sabbath or we might pick up worship or we might pick up prayer and look at that intensively but through the lens of a rule of life so what we don't want to do is we don't want to kind of talk about this thing and then have like we want it to be able to be stuff you can we, we can start to do now if that makes sense so enough information enough guidance so we can start to do stuff now but then equally that it's for me it's so significant that we have to keep revisiting it it's not like a nice series that we do and then we park it's like this is this is following jesus and therefore we have to keep revisiting it and therefore we'll kind of do that in that way first and then we'll see where it goes after that um yes yeah, so let me just pray to finish off jesus i just thank you I'm just pray all that i've communicated uh, all I've said, I just pray that you would be at the centre of it all in what we take away. Jesus, we just thank you that you you care about our our walk here on earth. As we seek to follow you, you care about that. And I just pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit in the next few days and weeks just to just to find even that space just to give a bit more time to abide with you in prayer and through the scripture whatever it may be just give us that space just to do that and just help us to know that that we are in this world to shine like lights that we would be bring hope and bring love and bring life to those we meet in jesus name amen